Hello everybody, and welcome back to another episode of At The Movies with William Fletcher. As per usual, I am your host, William Fletcher, and as per usual, I am joined by Harry Jobson. What it do? Um, and I don't know Barney what I did there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Barney, unfortunately, could not make it this week, but he, he did say uh, <laughs> that he will hopefully be, that he wants to do uh, the next two episodes after this so he should be on hopefully uh and so this week is going to be a part one of a massive retrospective looking at the entire career of christopher nolan um yes, he am, dude. I, so, I quite like christopher nolan yeah um so uh, i think for a lot of over the next three weeks we're gonna be very positive or at least some of us will be very positive. Uh, certainly about certain films will be very positive. And um, so we're going to be looking at this. So this week we're going to be looking at Following, Memento, Insomnia, and Batman Begins. Now, I did not get an opportunity to watch Insomnia for this, and unfortunately. I, I, and I didn't get an opportunity to watch Following. So we're going to no. have to cover each other. Yeah, and, so, and Barney yeah. is not here to... Uh, even us out because he's seen all of Nolan's films, so he he would have been the the third one to help create more of a discussion. But that's fine. Um, we will just um, move forward. Uh, yeah, we'll, and we'll just if he's on next week, he'll just bri- we'll briefly touch on them then, just to get his quick thoughts <laughs> on those films. Uh, but yeah, Christopher Nolan. I'm a very big fan of most of his films. Um, there's a lot of online. Uh, dislike. Uh, well, I don't know if it's online. Uh, it's just the circles that I'm within and talking to people about film. They're very much anti-Nolan. Um, they don't like what Nolan does. And I'm not even talking about like his recent stuff. I'm just talking about in general. They they don't like Nolan. They think he's very film broy, which he arguably is. But I don't like the term film bro because it's of the most wishy-washy, poorly yeah. fucking defined, like, term. It's like thriller. Like, I don't understand, like a, like yeah. a thriller film, I it's so poorly defined and there's no, and people misuse it as well. Like, I, I just don't, I don't I'm... like it because it's not, not because I guess I fall under the term film, bro. I guess, yeah. but I don't, because yeah, I like, just like popular films. Time made by men like (laughs) at the same time our film bro culture has gone less from being in interested in popular films that are made by male directors or scriptwriters or producers it's not just Mm -hmm. about liking fight club or um interstellar or (laughs) memento it's and i mean i like those films yeah but film bro culture is more turned into the idealization of the deeply flawed characters film bros nowadays you'll find go oh i want to be patrick bateman and oh (laughs) he's such like an epic giga chad and oh how cool is fucking brad pitt in in fight club oh we need a first rule of fight it's like come on (laughs) and uh idolizing jordan belfort like yeah Yeah, idolizing jordan belfort don't get me wrong I like the Wolf of Wall Street. 
doesn't make me want to do 20 quaaludes a day. Like, what? That's <laughs> exactly. so stupid. But, yeah, I think... And you'll find these are no... Sh- like Also, 500 Days of Summer to... also, I think, yeah. kind of falls under that as well. It has the... that idealization as well, yeah. I, I find that... Um, that a lot of a lot of these people that will criticize Nolan for creating films that are either purposefully dense or um, are trying new things, try try film. to purposefully ambitious. Yeah, are the same exactly. are the same people that will preach Wes Anderson is the purest filmmaker. I like Wes Anderson. <laughs> But I can only take so much of this, like, like symmetri- like symmetrical sort of, you know. Yeah, what I, mean. I and it's think that the... warm tone, symmetrical, yeah. like, and the thing 50s about vibe, and the thing with Wes Anderson is, it's not like he's doing anything that interesting. Like people, like he's got, oh, he's got perfectly symmetrical shots, and it's like, well, Kubrick was doing that. And, you know, Kubrick yeah. is an infinitely better filmmaker, you know, yeah. but I think, and yeah, I just think Nolan is, gets a lot of unfair uh, criticism because a couple of his films aren't as good. And, and you know, the people who criticize Nolan will then turn around and say, you know, Greta Gerwig is this monumentally great, you know, outstanding filmmaker. And then, you know, I've watched her films um, I don't really get it because it's like Lady Bird is just every coming of age story I've ever seen yeah. in my life. And Little Women is an adaptation of a book, which I have not read, but they've adapted it several times already. And then she's got Barbie, which I mean, sounds less interesting now that I know it's not like the Truman Show. <laughs> like, oh, what? I. I thought, yeah, I thought Barbie was going to be a Truman Show-esque type thing, and that would have been great. I think that would have been really great, but it's not, apparently. I'm so... Which is less uh, disappointing. I, I love the, like, the meme, uh, the meme factor of, oh, all the boys going to Barbie, we need to see Barbie, because Ryan Gosling and Margot Robbie, we love Margot Robbie, like, we need to go watch Barbie, we're going to dress up in suits and be all serious. And it's like... <laughs> And the double feature because they're both releasing. They're releasing the same day as Oppenheimer. I don't think I've been ex- as excited for a film as Oppenheimer as since like Spider Man No Way Home. <laughs> like, uh, not not as excited, but just excited. Like I'm just keen. I it oh Oppenheimer. That, looks so yeah, good. I mean that's what we're uh, tying this three part look into is we're tying it into um, Oppenheimer. And which we will then discuss in the review of the year. By the time we'll have all seen it, I'm probably going to see Oppenheimer and Barbie on the same day, just because I like. If I go to a cinema, I like to do a double bill. I like to see two movies at once in a day if I can. Um, but yeah, I, as we get on through Nolan's career, I have been less into his films. Uh, I don't dislike many of his films but i'm definitely the latter days i think are not as great but we'll get on to that uh at a future point so first off his first film following uh harry hasn't seen it uh i watched it yesterday um it's 
It's fine. I I I think I I I enjoy look watching films from filmmakers like their early films where they had no money to to make a film with, and so that the films are very cheap, and you can clearly tell that that the films are very very cheap, and and you very much get that with following. There's like a scene where a guy gets punched over like a table or something, and it's yeah. the most like overly choreographed. Like he's just because they're cutting around, like, you don't, there's not, like, a shot where you see him fall, he, like, like, leans over the table, and then it cuts from a different angle, and he slowly falls over, and then it cuts again, and he, like, hits the ground or something, you know, it, it's very, like, yeah. oh, they don't have the budget to hire a stuntman or anything to, to do it properly, so it just looks very shaky, but, um, I'm willing to forgive early films for being shit, because... I think that's fair. Films, yeah, uh, um, and you you do see that carry over a bit, following into Memento of that mm-hmm. jump cut style. But I think Memento yeah. works uh, well with the narrative. Yeah, uh, but, but yeah, for, so following. There's not. I don't really have a whole lot to say in it. We, we. I can probably just move on very quickly. But it's it's a decent like debut entry. film. It's yeah. It's it's. You, and you could sort of see the themes and ideas that Nolan loves playing with later, like distortion of time. You know, Nolan use, loves using time um, in like every single one of his films. Basically, time is a big part of that f- of the film in some way. Generally, uh, you know, whether it's like time travel or it's just um, you know, memento, how that plays with time and, and that kind of thing. So, I think it. Um, yeah, I I give it a seven out of ten. It's it's very weak seven out of ten, but it is. Yeah, it's 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 a decent debut. For, it's not the greatest debut film or anything, but I think there's enough that it's worth watching if you're a fan of Nolan and I, if you're if you're interested in film, it's worth watching just to see what he was able to do with like six thousand dollars or whatever it was that he used to make that film. Um, but anyway. Uh, it's 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 a it's a decent film. But that's that's really all I've got to say. Uh, and then uh, the second film, Memento, uh, which I have touched on this show before uh, for the hundredth episode, I recorded a commentary track for it, and I believe I've said multiple times in the past that it is my favorite film of all time. Um, and that is, uh, I don't know if controversial is the word, yeah. um, but it definitely helps people label me as a film bro which is bullshit um because it's like i'm sorry that i just love <laughs> an objectively wonderfully written film like the script yeah. is well, one of what, the best what, ever i would argue i i know i will i don't really i'm in the circles but i don't pay attention i come on i come on to this show to <laughs> provide the perspective of the common man who mm-hmm. also studied a little bit of film and is quite interested in it. But also, like, I, I come from that elk of, like, when I say my favourite films are dumb and dumber and, like, stuff like that, <laughs> people, people give me a certain look. Um, but I watched Memento for the first time this and mm. people will be flabbergasted for that but we all have gaps and this may be one of the films that just sort of slipped 
Yeah, I mean, you hadn't seen Indiana Jones. I mean, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, we all have our gaps. Like, Indiana Jones is probably the largest glaring gap I filmed for the first time, and I don't think a film has sat with me more afterwards. I I went on to watch Batman Begins after this, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Um. I'm still thinking about it 30 minutes into the other film. Like, and I gave myself a break in between. I went to Woolworths and grabbed snacks. Like, <laughs> like I, I went to Woolworths because I had to grab, I had to get milk. But I was like, oh, I'll go get um, a packet of little mini Oreos to watch with Batman. And the entire time, all I was thinking about was Memento. and Because when I first watched it, I, I was similar to those people that criticized film bro culture and i was like he's trying to it felt like he's trying to be ambitious it felt like this and the more i watched it oh the more it sat with me the more i was like oh but it works though it works so well though and then like and it handles the fit like the the tone of the film very well Uh, there's only probably one scene in the whole film that i actually laugh at and it's the scene where he kicks down the wrong door and then he's just like, sorry, and closes it. And I'm like, because uh, he, he reads the note and he has to wants to go kick down door number nine. But mm. he accidentally kicks down six because he's reading the note upside down. And, yeah. <laughs> and then he flips it and he's like, oh, and then closes the door and goes. And, um, but yeah, I I went in with the perspective of knowing that this is psychological. And I was somewhat looking for the the shtick, the Nolan shtick. Oh, yeah. Which there's one almost every film besides, I feel like, um, Insomnia. But, Mm. yeah, I was looking for for that one thing that was... And it was about 20 minutes into the film that I first realized. I was like, oh... (laughs) <laughs> so I, I, I was like oh so when it's black and white time moves forward and when yeah. it's real color time moves backward and then mm-hmm. the entire film up until that point i was just waiting waiting until they merge and i was like waiting until they sink and i was like that's really cool like the whole but the whole idea of like waking up and going like why am i holding a bottle of water like uh i don't feel drunk yeah Ugh. Oh, that's it's, such it's so cool. Yeah. It's so cool, man. Yeah. I um, I loved it. Yeah, I know there is a chronological cut of the film where the, the footage has been put in like the correct order. Um and apparently for people who have seen it, it doesn't actually ruin the film. Like the film still works very well, even with like removing the gimmick. I haven't seen it myself, but it, it apparently still works, which I think is the insane. The gimmick is so cool. Yeah, the gimmick is incredible but i i think it's a testament to how great a film it is that the gimmick still like that the gimmick can be removed and the film still works like the narrative does not hinge on the the idea no it doesn't i probably wouldn't like it as much without the gimmick i think the gimmick does a bit to help it well well because it stylizes it really well like yeah but it's a beautiful stylization yeah. Um, yeah, but I still think it is. Yeah, I, I uh, is it? I might honestly, it might be the best screenplay ever written, in my opinion. I'm trying to think of like what else I would say is better. Bullet Maybe train. like, <laughs> yeah, I'd say Bullet Train. Yeah. Um, um, but like Shaun of the Dead, I think is a very is another objectively. I think Hot, 
perfect. I think Hot Fuzz and Hot Fuzz is as well. Than yeah, Shaun of the Dead though. Oh, um, I mean, I'm I definitely prefer Hot Fuzz over Shaun of the. I haven't seen Shaun of the Dead recently enough, but I I do prefer Hot Fuzz uh, to Shaun of the Dead. Um, I'd say Glorious Bastards. The Truman Show is, is yeah, yeah, but, um, a near flawless script. Um, yeah, there are a few yeah, out there, but I think Memento is one. Yeah, I think it's kind of, yeah. a film you can't really fault beyond just being nitpicky. Like, and I and I don't know if this is my own sort of bias coming through, but I don't think there is like valid criticism you can make like i think generally most films there is valid criticism you could have on like most films but i don't think that is a thing with memento i don't think like i can't i i did not um rewatch it because i've seen it a few times already and i didn't feel like i needed to watch it anyway because i've seen it relatively recently enough but i just think it's a film that you can't uh really yeah, I'm, th- I'm thinking I'm thinking about, like, the only fault I had with it was the shtick, and that was because I felt like it was being too purposeful, and it wasn't until I actually thought about it, and I was like, hmm, but it works, though, and I actually really liked it, and I maybe be, sh- I maybe shouldn't try to be nitpicky and be an arsehole, because, yeah, like, it, it, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a negative I have about this film. The whole, like, photos, the like tattoos, uh, it's everything, just it's... everything about the film comes yeah, together. My favorite it's... performance was Joe. Um, oh, Pantalone. Yeah, yeah. I think he's. It, it's uh, Pantalone. 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 Let me look how. I, I've got to Google it. Yeah, but it's, I gotta, it's Pantaleano. Pantaleano. Pantoliano, yeah. Joe Pantoliano <laughs> playing Teddy Gamble. Because to be yeah. honest, when I was watching it, I was like, I could fully believe that guy's a rapist. Like, he looks... <laughs> he looks just squeamy and evil. Like, doesn't he? And uh, but I, also I mean, that moustache doesn't help. The whole idea of finishing, starting the film at the end of the film is so sick. Like, oh, uh, it's a brilliant, yeah. It's it's a wonderful concept. This is one of those films that when I first saw it, so I saw this from sort of my history of seeing this film. I think I've seen this film four times, I think. So I saw it when I was overseas in Germany, and then I yeah. rewatched it like the day after. Like, yeah, I rewatched it the day after I first watched it, which I'd never do with films. Um, and then I rewatched it before Tenet came out, and then I rewatched it for this podcast for the commentary track. So I've seen it four times now. Um, yeah, and I mean, it just is—it just is still great. Like, I—it's just—and it's a—it's an—it's a one of the—it's a very perfect example, I think, of setup and pe- we talked about Back to the Future several weeks ago and how that f- the first one was a one you know setup and payoff beautifully yeah. done in that film, and I think Memento is another one of those, and and I important because it gives off a bit of, it, it says it's a mystery thriller but again mm-hmm. we don't we don't accept that term around these parts partner um no i don't like, like the term trying to be a psychological trying to be a psychological sort of almost like a whodunit um yeah it is, it, is. Almost a it basically it, kind, uh, it is i mean that is basically that's the whole point is he's trying to find out who killed his wife done it. You know? <laughs> yeah but the whole idea like at the 
like the I because we're we're fed the film through an unreliable narrator, and you hear it all the time. Like, oh, it's an unreliable narrator. It's an unreliable narrator. You see it in sitcoms. Look, a lot of people. There is a genuine mm. theory, and like it is long running too. That for the How I Met Your Mother like tenure of the show, they believe that Ted is an unreliable narrator, and that really he was the bad guy, and Barney was the good guy. But he just wanted to make Barney look bad so that <laughs> his kids would not like Barney, so he could end up with Robin. And I'm like, it's the craziest idea to like have that depth in that sort of show but Hmm. for this like to have because obviously the guy pierces leonard shelby which i think is really great um is completely unreliable he can't remember anything past five minutes like he can't create new memories and he's constantly sort of waking up which is an unreliable narrator you trust awful idea like the ability the, the idea that you can never truly change or you can never truly learn or grow as a person you know yeah, um, but the idea of that, and then at the end of the film, as an audience member, you've just been fed all the information from this narrator, and you want to believe him because you feel bad for him. We're told everything from Teddy, and up until this point, we've been told that Teddy's the guy, and he looks like the guy. I feel bad for Joe, like, <laughs> I'm not going to try the last name again. But I mean, maybe I that's the bad. point, is we're meant to think it. Like, well, I but, mean... But then Teddy tells us all this information and we're supposed to sit there and just eat it. We're just supposed to be like, yep, we believe you. And then a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't believe Teddy and believe that he's actually the guy. And which I always thought was like, which I'm now thinking, I thought last night and this morning was quite silly. um, Considering he gains absolutely zero benefit from revealing the truth to Lenny. Like there's no benefit there. Because he's going to yeah. forget it. So, he's like, forget he, it, yeah. He has no benefit from lying. Might as well tell the truth. Like, it doesn't matter. So, which does lead to his downfall, because, like, it, the film does such a good job on, like, commentating on how we all lie to ourselves to cope and to, mm-hmm. to, like, our daily lives. A lot of us are just lying to ourselves about whatever it is. But that's not always... And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But I think in this case, well, it is. Like, it shows the negatives of because he directly lies to his future self, which ends up in the death of pretty much his only friend. But, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the opening moment where it's the footage going back in time and he's, like, shaking the, um, the Polaroid or whatever and it's going backwards. Yeah. And then, like, I just, I mean, the... the, the I just love that it it just sort of has the it has like those ten fifteen minute chunks or whatever of just thing happen something happening and then and I love how it all connects back through it you know sort of like we begin one one chunk of it and he's running and he's running from someone or he's like or I'm chasing this guy and then he runs at him and it's like oh no he's chasing me and then he, like I think like that's yeah. great and you know he's got the the scratches on his face as well and you know. Oh, there's the really gross bit where she spits in his drink or whatever, and he spits. They're in the all drink. spitting it's, in the cup. Yeah, it's very, it's quite gross. If you don't like spit, then yeah, it's well, it's if just you're into that, you're into that, but like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they just get a random guy from the bar to do it, which I think is very unsanitary and and, and arguably quite unsafe. Um, uh, d- this film just, it's just. I can't fault it. Like I, 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 
on every level that it's working at, I think. Even, like, performance-wise, I, I, I'm not going to be praising Nolan f at, at, at later points for being a great character uh, director. Like, the, the characters feel very sort of... Which is fine. I don't need all characters to be the most incredibly realized, incredibly well-crafted. Yeah. And that's fine. But I think... I mean, I think Guy Pearce is a really great lead, and I, and I just love how... Yeah, he at first he's a very sympathetic character, and then by the end we we just find out oh no he's just lying to himself and 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 there's that I I love the reveal where it finds out that he was the one who killed his wife. You know, Can't, he I still don't feel like he killed his wife. Like I know he did. <laughs> I know he did physically. But he didn't uh, mentally, uh, so like I don't. No, it's not this. It doesn't. Yeah, count. And I don't I, think I would... it, he didn't kill his wife. What he's become has killed his wife, which is the whole point of the film. It's like that's who, Leonard Shelby is who you were. That's not who you are. Um, yeah, he's such and a I, cool. Yeah, and it's like how this sort of, you know, his wife getting assaulted or whatever. It, it's this whole knock-on effect of you know because now he loses his memory and then he 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 you know it, it's this yeah this. So, yeah, knock-on effect, domino effect, you know, of all yeah. these other terrible things that happen because of it, you know, and yeah, and Lynn's films where there's a dead wife, uh, that's very common in his filmography, or there's a, a, a woman dies to further a male character's uh, journey, which some may criticise. I don't think it matters, really. I, I don't think... I don't read yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think like it's that a, deep. I think, well, because I think a lot of people read Nolan films to be very sexist, and I don't, I I think, like, I don't think it matters, really. That... Yeah, I mean, the, the, the guy, it could be, a, like, there could be a, a homosexual the, relationship, I mean, it could yeah, be the, the, just a friend not... who dies, like, it does, I think it's just because of the, the whole idea that, like, well, the, the characters that he, that, that are in these films attracted yeah. to women and they're the most important people and they die anyone who's the most important person or one of the most important people in your life dying is going to affect you like yeah i don't whether... think it's yeah i i just i think it's not a fair criticism to make of nolan i think it it's just like i don't think it, it and it's not like he's the first director who's ever used like a woman dying to further another character's plot you know, almost like, uh, all uh, movies. Like, yeah, exactly. Films have been doing this for years, and I know, and I and I think it's like I I think Nolan does think like people just want to be upset with Christopher Nolan about things and want to criticize his films, and it's just like I don't think it matters. Like, who cares that a female character is dying? You know, to it's like characters die all the time to further other characters' plots. I don't, it's I don't think it's a gendered thing. You know, yeah. I don't think it really matters. It, it it doesn't bother me. Um, and maybe maybe because we're coming at this from a guy's uh, perspective, a, 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 a male perspective. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what it is. But I generally don't think. You know, it feels you know it's like how Quentin Tarantino, for example, was getting criticized for Django Unchained, um, for all the racial slurs used, and I'm like, I don't think that's very but fair. But it's appropriate for the film. It's inappropriate to use in any other context. But yeah, when you're creating but for the a film, film, a fictional narrative, and like it, it is about like a 
freedom slavery slavery to act like that word didn't exist back then would be ridiculous and like i I, I do i I do think lena leo was enjoying it a bit too much (laughs) Um, (laughs) no but like yeah i'm i'm completely in the boat with you when i feel as if it's completely an unfair criticism that you're just taking you're finding a reason or making up a reason to not like someone there's like, no real just... evidence, by the way. Like, I don't think Nolan is like a sexist or anything. I just think he's like he's more so focused. Is the, is the idea behind it that he kills his female characters? I think it's more that his fem- the female characters are underdeveloped, and I'd argue most of his characters kind of are. Like, his films aren't known. Yeah, most from of my the characters that for... aren't the protagonists are completely underdeveloped. I was watching Memento, and, that's... and I was like. The bloody, like, a lot of the... The most development went to Leonard and bloody Sammy, who didn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Because like... Teddy... I mean, Teddy's just there, reactive. We... Yeah, and... Uh, I just think uh, Nolan, that he, he... he, Yeah, people sort of want to find a sort of scapegoat, I guess, to be like, oh, look at Nolan, he's, you know, he's this, and I, and I don't think that's fair. And I, and I think Tarantino's another one where people want to find a reason to dislike Tarantino as a Yeah, filmmaker. it's like, oh, he sexualizes women by putting feet in his films, and I'm like, I mean, they don't have There's... to put their feet out in the film. He's openly it... said he has a foot fetish. I just don't know why people read so deeply into these things when I feel like... No, I don't. I I, I think it's weird to think that Nolan, like, doesn't like women or something, or... Well, I think... I do think a lot of it is kind of a joke, but I think there are some people who actually take it very seriously. Genuinely believe it, yeah. And I think, like, well, no... I mean, we've gone on this point long enough, I think, but I, I just think there is, like, yeah. Un- I mean, in general, I think there's unfair criticism made of a lot of filmmakers. Um, um, Certainly a lot of, you know, I mean, Nolan's one, James Cameron, Quentin Tarantino, you know, all these kinds of male directors who, like, and I'm not saying there aren't problems with their films, I just think people are looking at the wrong problems and are trying to yeah. make up reasons to criticize them. And I don't think that's fair, you know, like, but I know I'm not trying to make this like a gender thing or anything, but I just think there are yeah valid criticisms you can make of, of certain filmmakers. And I just don't think people do. I think, I think in general film criticism, a lot of people are not capable of making sort of valid criticism and are and yeah. are being, and are trying to And they say just s- because yeah and it's like Yeah, I don't like that. Like if you don't like a film or you don't like a director, that's fine. Can you just explain why, you know? And that shouldn't be hard. You know, I, I think if yeah, you don't like you know like you know your feelings. If you don't like it, you don't like it. Tell me why you don't like it. Yeah. Tell me what you're feeling about it. Whether or not it's just I feel like let's say Oh, I didn't. I didn't like the first Indiana Jones movie that much. You could ask mm-hmm. me why, and I could. I could say, oh, I just didn't like it, or oh, I, I felt as if I didn't like it. Like, I could say it was because of the narrative didn't intrigue me. It didn't encapsulate me because of X, Y, Z, or uh, because mm. I felt as if it was. Um, I went in with too high expectations, and I was let down. I felt that some of the locations weren't very fleshed out or realistic. 
even though it's like there's aliens in the fourth movie, so I don't know what I'm talking about. But um, and he survives a nuke in a fridge. But like, yeah, yeah I just the the you always, even if you just said that, that's enough of a reason because mm. you can. But it shouldn't be hard to be able to verbalize your your point. Not really. If you can't no, verbalize I... an argument, then you're losing the argument. People can't. I just hate when people cannot justify their opinions. That's my point. I, you and, need, and that's a, and that's a lot of the Nolan criticism. Exactly. People, people are just like, I don't like it opinion. because oh, it's Nolan, or and I and I and I try not to. And I think a lot of people don't like Nolan as a person, which I could get in some. He does have a punchable face, but and he does <laughs> seem to be a very annoying person, like. I remember he left Warner Brothers because they decided to put all their films on HBO Max and release them in cinemas because COVID was screwing everything up. And they're like, we can't delay these anymore. We just, which I think is the most reasonable thing to do. Be like, we'll put them in cinemas and on HBO Max at the same time because so, so everyone can see these movies. And then he got very upset and then he left Warner Brothers because he didn't like it. It's the death of cinema. And it's like, well, Well, I mean, COVID's kind (laughs) of. screwing everything up i think it's reasonable to be like and it's not like they're not going in cinemas either like these films are still being released in cinemas you know but, it's but just they're also awesome... releasing it on hbo max for people that yeah. don't want to risk like but because the people that america... do want to risk and yeah yeah because i mean america America's was wild. pretty terrible at you know america's not wasn't in a great place so obviously well, when is america in a great place let's not get geopolitical but goddamn <laughs> that is a fair point, but I, I I do think there are criticisms to make of Nolan as a person, but I think people take that and carry that into his films. Like Tarantino. Tarantino is another one. We keep bringing up Tarantino, but I think a lot of people don't like Tarantino as a person, which I think is fairly reasonable. I'm not the biggest fan of the guy. Apparently he's a bit of a dick, yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, he makes really good films. You know, Stanley Kubrick, notoriously awful person to his actors, but... I'd be willing to say he's the best act, the best director ever. Like, I would honestly say Stanley Kubrick is the best to ever do it. Per- like, that, just from my perspective, I think he's, like, on every level. Uh, yeah, and you, yeah, you're allowed that opinion. I, I don't think he's not the best to ever do it, but I haven't come to a decisive decision on who is. Yeah. I'm a, it, it depends on the type of film you, like, you regard as high quality i really like quentin tarantino personally but i also adore edgar wright as someone who is a massive fan of comedy i find Mm. edgar wright is the best comedy director to do it um yeah i don't think anyone has been other besides like like besides like who else is gonna take that bloody what's his name um the Farrelly brothers no no um, the, the dude, it was like his, he did all the, uh, Seth Rogen movies. Judd Apatow? Judd Apatow, yeah. But even or then, Adam like, McKay. it's not a really yeah. quality director as much as it is just, no. like, good comedy. He's a guy, yeah. Um, but this has gone on a very long tangent, but, yeah, yeah my whole, I mean, Memento, I, yeah, it's just a perfect movie on everything <laughs> like it it is i i cannot fault it at all it is it's just what filmmaking is and what filmmaking should be just perfect script great performances well 
very good performances, not great. I won't go as far as to say great. I'd say very good performances. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's very good acting from sort of the main actors, you know. Uh, you've got, you know, a brilliant gimmick, you know, just the, like, I mean, the log line of the film, you know, just like the story's just going backwards. It starts at the end, and the end of the film is the beginning of the story. Like, that's a brilliant concept, you know. And you don't get, mo- you don't get as many high-concept, brilliant movies like that anymore, I don't think. You know, not to yeah, there are great movies uh, still now, being no, Nowadays, made. you just get live-action Jungle Book. Or, like... Well, I, or I like the live-action or... Jungle Book, but, yeah, no, I get your point. No, but and you I, know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I'm waiting to see an original film that does this. Yeah, you like, I can't... When was the last time I watched, like, a, a, a high-concept film like this that was, like, that, so... That came out recently. Like, I mean, I guess, like, Bo Burnham's Inside no, is no, but arguably... That, but... Even... But, but that's no, but even of... then, that's high con- That's a high concept for a comedy special that isn't like. It, yes, it is a film, but I feel as if I yeah, it's, like yeah. Like let me, let me just look at my film, the films I've seen from the past, from the twenty twenties, just to see what was the last truly just brilliant film con- film I saw. Like in terms of like what it's doing, because like train was all of good. all of these are just like sequels, basically, or they're things I've seen. For- I guess, like, Adult Swim Yule Log was pretty... But not a, an amazing, like, brilliant concept. But it's, like, it's... Because it just becomes, like, a standard horror film at a certain point. Um, I'm just looking through here. Everything I mean, Everywhere All at Once tried to be high concept, but I feel like it he, fell flat on its face. That was me, personally. I, I, I don't think Everything thing. Everywhere deserves the love it got. I think it's Yeah, I'm good exactly film. the same. We talked about this in our Oscars episode, but I think Everything Everywhere is a good movie, but all the elements I've seen done better. I've seen multiverse stuff done better several times over. I've seen better family dynamics. You know, all the stuff in that I've seen done better yeah. before, you know, and I don't, and I still think that's a really good film, but I just don't think it's yeah. worth the all the praise that it's getting, that it, that it, well, that it got. Yeah. I, I think last I I feel like it was Bullet Train. It was so ambitious. <laughs> the, the perspectives within that film is beautiful. Those who know know there is one particular perspective that is shown without throughout that film that is quite just artistically beautiful. And if you mm. if you know, you know. I'm just looking <laughs> through. I mean, I guess maybe like I don't know. Sound of Metal was kind of was I I liked what Sound of Metal was doing, but it's not like a brilliant. It's a it's a good concept, but I I haven't like I haven't had a film recently like a new film where I'm like this is just an insanely incredible. You know, I sort of get that more with TV than movies now. I, I like TV is a, is a is a much greater breeding ground, I guess, of just yeah brilliant concepts. You know, like look, I this, I know people sort of. yeah or you know I I know people are very mixed on the show, but I, I think a lot of what Rick and Morty does is quite real is like really cool with what its like yeah. concepts are. But even then, like, a lot of what they've done was just done on Futurama, but better. Like, you know, and I, I think... Yeah, you don't... You just don't get any... As many great films with brilliant concepts, like Memento, anymore. And I, and I know a lot of people who, throughout... Who give multiple films a 10 out of 10 every year. Like, new release films. And I'm like, no. 
that is like 10 out of the 10s should be very sparing. You shouldn't just be giving them out to every film you see because it devalues what that rating means. You know? Oh, yeah, but you know when I give an 11 out of 10, that should bust them. Yes. <laughs> like, an 11 for me is it goes above and beyond the Call of Duty and it really is something special. Um, 10, I feel like 9 is a great film. Like, 10 is one of the perfect films, and I think an 11 is above and beyond. Um, yeah, I think, like, 9 out of 10, like, I think basically, I think most ratings people should give for films should be between, like, a 7 and an 8 out of 10. Like, I think that's fairly reasonable. Then you have, you know, like, a few 9s. You, you have, you have you like, maybe a, a decent number of 9s, and then you've got, like, 50 or so 10 out of 10s, give or take, you know. Um, and then... But like seven, like seven out of ten, eight out of ten, I feel like is what most films should be rated from people. Like I think that's reasonable. Um, I think if 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 you're if the most of like if you look at like Letterboxd and most of your films on Letterboxd have a ten, you're doing something wrong. Yeah. You know, like I'm just looking. So on Letterboxd, I've got three hundred and seventy-one eight out of tens and three hundred and seven seven out of tens, and those are my two highest ratings. So I think I I'm reason. not really on Letterboxd because I don't have the patience. Yeah, I, I mean, think personally, this film, first time ever watching it, I'm just going to jump to rating for Memento because yeah. I it's this shit's an eleven, dude. I don't know if it's. I don't know if Whoa. it's in my top. I don't know if it's in my top Shit. ten films of all time, because um, <laughs> it's quite a tight list. Plus, my top ten films are much more about like films I just enjoy watching, and are less mm. about like creative brilliance. But if we're just judging it on creative like ability and quality of film, and less about like how much I just purely enjoy watching it, yeah. um, then this is yeah, this is like top ten definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I've, when I put together my list of my, I've got a list of my hundred favorite films. Um, I mean, do you want me to just quickly run through what my top 10 is currently at the the time of recording? It's the beginning yeah. of July when we're recording this. So number 10, seven is, number, yeah. is the film seven. Number nine, the matrix. Number eight, you're not going to like this. You're going to disagree with me on this one. I think the nightmare before Christmas. I, it's not that good though. Like it's just <laughs> like if you enjoy watching it, fine. But it's not that great of a film. Like every time I watch it, I'm, it's my least favorite Christmas movie. And that's Whoa. not to say it's bad. That's not to say it's bad. It's no, just out of the Christmas no, movies my no. family watches. Like no. it, again, that's not to say it's a bad film. It's just the one I enjoyed watching the least mm. when I used to live at home and watch Christmas films. Come Christmas season, living away from home, I do not watch that movie. It is not a Christmas film to me. Uh, yeah, number seven, Little Shop of Horrors. The director's cut specifically. The director's cut is very good. We may have to cover it on the show so you can watch it. Um, and if you do ever watch it, watch the director's cut. That's much better. Uh, number six, Hot Fuzz. I mean, it's my favorite Edgar Wright film. Like it, it, it's just, it's just, it's just Edgar Wright being the best. What he does, yeah. Um, it's number me. five, Stand by Me. I love Stand by Me. Number four, Collateral. Collateral is a great film. Covered it on the show as well. Number three, Her. Another yep. great film. Number two, Fight Club. I don't give a fuck. Fight Club is a perfect movie. You can't fault Fight Club. Covered it on the show as well. Go listen to that. Oh, episode. I adore Fight Club. Fight Club's all time. 
I can't. And number one, uh, Memento. It's my favorite film. I don't give a fuck. You can't fault it. Any faults that people can present about it are just nitpicking bullshit. It is a, Memento is a 10 out of 10, my favorite film. And it's been that way for f nearly four years now. I, it has not changed in four years. I don't care. It is just what film should be. It is yeah. just the best of filmmaking. It's a great film. I love it. It's a shame Barney isn't here, because I think he'd probably offset us slightly. I think he likes it slightly less than we do, but he's but yeah, he's still a big fan, but we'll we'll get his thoughts on it next week when he's on, presumably. Uh yeah. so then yeah, moving on to Insomnia. Um I did not see this one unfortunately, so I can't really give my thoughts on this one. I uh, watched it Harris. at the start of at the start of the week, so it's Sunday now, so it's always been a full seven days, and I don't know if this is an attribute to the film itself, but I don't mm -hmm. remember much. Yeah, I remember. So, uh, I'll break it Al down. Pacino and Robin yeah. Williams are in it. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I I remember uh, a few things. A few things to touch on. Firstly, before we get into it, is the budget. Forty-six million. It's his biggest budget film to date, and he was basically forty-six in, million. Jesus. And he was I... basically brought into this film as a um, well, yeah. There's a lot of helicopter shots. Oh, um, oh yeah, because like Memento that, is very. I just want to say that about Memento. So I love how yeah handheld it looks. I really love that. I really like watching low budget films, and you can just see that they they've just got some guy just holding a camera. There's not many stationary, but I think that works with memento because it's like it's very friend you know there's lots yeah. of just like quick edits I, I think it works very well memento um yeah yeah so but yeah so this he film, was not the writer um, on this one no no he was uh almost strictly a director for hire so he was dealing with someone else's story uh especially considering mm -hmm. this is a remake of a film um mm -hmm. and also he Christopher Nolan, a lot of his Nolanisms come within the creating of the the screenplay. Um, whereas yeah, so it doesn't feel like a Nolan film. Shot, no, this feels. It doesn't help that this film is very much one of the genre. Um, the genre of police detective goes to an Alaskan town to investigate the killing of a teenage <laughs> girl. That is, yeah, that, it's one of those. Like, you could you could name hundreds. Hundreds of films. Exactly like a police officer like just goes to like a, not a strain, just goes to like a, a place that's a bit different. For, for, foreign land, like doesn't have to be yeah. foreign, but like it's like goes, goes the Wicker Man area. Um, yeah. Teenage girl has been murdered. And then there's some reason Sounds as like the to Wicker why, Man. why. Yeah. Whereas so, like, is it, so it's Al Pacino who's the. Yeah. Al Pacino plays Will Dommer, or Dormer, sorry, who's the detective. From out of mm -hmm. town, we also have Hillary Swank, who I believe Hillary's wank. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> no, I believe they play uh, a local cop who's in over their own, in over their head, and has never dealt with anything because they're just from a quiet Alaskan town. And then mm -hmm. you have um, Robin Williams, who plays, I believe it's Walt Walter Finch, and this. I'm just looking. Yes, Walter Finch is, is the. Robin Williams' character, yeah. I do want to touch on Robin Williams' character in a second, but I think mm -hmm. this film hits all the bases quite well. It's just a perfectly okay, like, fine. It's all the, <laughs> all the performances are fine. 
the story's mm-hmm. fine. The whole narrative is pretty much he goes into this. We we find out pretty early on who the killer is within the film. Like you find out okay. almost straight away who the killer is. Um, and a lot of it is more the most of the film, and this is what sets it apart from that genre, is the genre is a police detective killing a teenage girl, but he's facing adversity. In this case, due to Alaska constantly having sun in the season for 24 hours a day, he can't sleep mm. and he has insomnia mm. and his mind's degrading. But the, what sets this apart is not about him trying to find the killer while his mind's degrading, but his relationship with the killer. Like, he finds out who the killer is. And then the film focuses much more on their relationship and how mm-hmm. that is affecting him while he can't, while he can't mentally sort of formulate anything because he has no sleep. And Robin Williams's character is the killer, and I've never seen such a stark, striking, like, character mm. from Robin Williams. Yeah. Uh, Robin Williams is usually Peter Pan. He's usually, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's usually uh, a very you know warm I mean? presence. He's, he's a very he's, like... He's, he's the, an inherently likable man. He's the He's the professor in Good Will Hunting. He's... Yeah. That's he's Robin the dad Williams in, to me. Yeah, he's, he's in Jumanji. Yeah. He's the genie. Yeah, he's a very likable man, and whereas, he's basically yeah. the villain. Like, if he's the killer, yeah. he's effective. Great he, performance. I've, yeah, I've heard his performance, and it is very, uh, it's very like unset. Like Robin Williams is one of those actors where I, it's I similar t- to Jim Carrey in a sense, where they they can create such a warm presence on screen, but if they go negative, it's so chilling. <laughs> And yeah. so, like, like exactly, like that yeah. that classic comedic actor is able to create a very great unnerving. dramatic performance and be really unnerving. Like, I think that's yeah, I think that's the sign of a great comedic actor where they're able to be such a warm presence, so likable. You just love watching them do funny things, and then they're able to turn that around and be a just as equally intimidating and capable villain, you know, I think that's the sign of a good... You know, Tom Cruise is kind of like that, where he's generally a good guy in most of his films, but he's able to become a villain very easily, and he's very good at it. I think that's a, a sign of a very great actor. Yeah, and that that's the standout of this film for me. I, I I don't have much to touch on on it besides what I wanted to speak was about Robin Williams' performance. That's mm-hmm. the main key I remember. Um, like, yeah, they're just big city detectives coming to, like, Alaska to solve this murder, and Robin Williams' character is playing this game of... is playing a game with him, is toying with him, is this cat and mouse... It's great, and it does set itself apart from the genre, I believe, and it doesn't get as much love um, as a lot of other Nolan films. That being said, yeah. it is quite forgettable. Um, <laughs> like I understand why it doesn't get as much love. I don't think it's criminally underrated. Uh, it does have like a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes. So mm. um, like it is rated quite highly. It's just I don't think it's known nearly as much as any other Nolan films. Yeah, um, I mean, I unfortunately did not get a chance to watch it, so I can't really come in with any real discussion on it. Yeah, it's well. that, and it's also the cinematography within this film is insane. 
it, some of the most mm. beautiful shots, and that's an attribute to not only the, the crew, but also just like Alaska and how yeah, beautiful I, yeah. it looks there. It is such a geographically like stunning area. You know what? And, yeah, I've heard about Nolan. Is that apparently he doesn't write out shot lists? <laughs> he doesn't like. There's no shot list for his cinematographer, so he just does them. He just, but yeah, he basically just tells them like, "This is the shot I want," which must be like because we, we've both done film, yeah. Work, you know, we've both worked on productions of shorts and everything, and you know, you gen, you know, when I did it at high school, we had like yeah, a full on shot list like this is all you know we're going to be doing this you know like it, it. Well, I found as soon as I transitioned more into university and less of that short film throughout high school. And when I was doing short films with, through university, it became a lot more don't read it off a sheet and just do what I'm telling you to do. I mean, Nolan's got those weird sort of eccentricities to him, you know. Um, you know, he loves, you know, and, and he uses... Um, we haven't really touched on the the score of any of Nolan's films because, like, I don't really think there is much of anything of note in following or memento is that is there much yeah no not really not particularly the best um in like there's not a whole the original score is quite like it's quite good in this film but it's it doesn't like stand out to me it's not interesting yeah i think that's Uh, i give it i give it like an eight i think it's perfectly sound like it's perfect. Like it hits all its bases quite well, and it does stand apart, but it is forgettable. That's my issue. Yeah. Like it could it could be a higher film, and I still think it's a great film. But yeah, and uh, we're moving on to the final film of this part. Batman Begins, the uh, beginning of the Dark Knight trilogy, uh, and the beginning of a trilogy that many would say is the greatest sort of superhero series ever. Um, yeah, I know a so lot of people. A very no, I don't think it's that great. There's like one really great film in the trilogy, and then the other two. I are like kind the of, first one. I just know a lot of people. Well, to be honest, I think a lot of people who love the Dark Knight trilogy love Batman, and they will just lap up Batman. I think, no, but the best, the best part about the Dark Knight trilogy, the best part, is Heath Ledger's Joker. Um, yeah, and, I mean that's in the second, uh, and also so. Michael Caine's Alfred is like I love Michael Caine's Alfred. I like, I, I really just... like Michael Caine just in general. I think Michael Caine's a very good presence. Um, yeah, but so yeah, Batman Begins. You know, after Batman and Robin uh, was terrible, they didn't make any Batman films for a while, uh, just because people didn't like Batman and Robin. So they went for a dark, sort of gritty reboot, which now just seems kind of like what people do. With superheroes, but this was sort of like a day, yeah. the early days where Batman became like a serious character again. And I think, um, I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I couldn't really be bothered to rewatch Batman Begins. I don't dislike the film at all. I just don't. I it was find a, good a movie lot to go to bed too. Yeah. <laughs> I think the thing is the discourse around, because you said, I don't know if you said on the show, but you've definitely said to me that you hate. You Batman. You think Batman's a oh, terrible I hate, character? I think he's the worst superhero character I've ever read. And, and do you want to explain what, like, why don't you like I, that? Because I, I don't know if I've ever. I, I liked the cartoon a little bit growing up. I really liked the it. animated I series. I had it, yeah, yeah, the animated series. I yeah, had on my. It's a great I had show, the, yeah. the Blu-rays growing up. But mm. other than that, like, Batman is a character, and as a character, I feel like is so overloved. 
but literally just a man. He's a man with money, but without the uh-huh. intelligence of Tony Stark. He's smart, but he's not as smart as like Tony Stark. He he's not Iron Man. He's not, mm. but he's he's treated as invincible. The idea that he could beat Superman realistically, <laughs> give him a million years of prep time. I still don't think he beats Superman. Like, uh, like, <laughs> have fun mining all that Kryptonian. Like, fucking hell, dude. I just, I, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. He's so ridiculously, like, strong and overpowered for someone who's not supposed to be super. And, oh, he's the best, even though he's not super. So killable. <laughs> Literally a bullet. Literally a bullet. It killed his parents. It could kill him. Like, <laughs> all, all the Joker has to do is hire someone also, he's completely irresponsible. Like, hire someone who doesn't look like a criminal, and then mm-hmm. Bruce Wayne's like just walking and just bang, dead. <laughs> like, oh, there's Batman. Like, it's not that fucking hard. Like that, or like, uh. and it's so obvious that Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne is Batman because who contracted them to build a cave under his fucking house? And then he's like, oh, it's clearly not Batman. Like, of course he's Batman. And he tells it to everyone as well. Like, he lets everyone know that he's Batman in this trilogy. It's ridiculous. And the last thing is that, like, Batman in the Lego Batman series is amazing because it's just played off for laughs. But, like, he's so, like, I'm sad and broody and I'm sad. And I'm like, oh, I just have more depth to your character than just upset. Like, I'm so sick of being, like, him, his character just being, like, revengeful and rageful. And the idea, he he's insane. He's an insane man because he lets these people that wreak havoc on the streak of Gotham, the Joker, Penguin, all of these villains that kill people and, like, destroy people's lives and livelihoods in the city, he just goes, uh. Oh, Maybe this time, if I lock them up in prison, they won't break out like they did the last 50 times. <laughs> kill them! Man. Like, I know you don't, Batman doesn't kill people, but kill them. Like, get over it. Like, it really annoys me. Because I'm like, how can you justify this character? And how can you say, oh, he's so cool and he's so epic? And it's like, no, he's literally such a beta. He's just a rich boy who's upset. Get over it. That's my thing. It, it, there are so many faults with his character, and he gets given so much, like, he gets given so Praise. much. And then people go on about how great he is. And then I'm like, Tony Stark built this in a box, in a cave with a box of scraps. Like, yeah. <laughs> or not particularly that, but like, he, he has nothing on Spider Man or fucking any other superhero. I could. I mean, I don't. I think Bruce Wayne is a very boring character. Yeah, I, but I think I like, a lot I, of people. I like think... when you bring Robin into it. Robin is much more. Robin brings a lot of depth to the Batman yeah. character. I but... think. Yeah, a lot of people don't. He's overrated. Yeah. Is my thing. I think to Batman as a character. Yeah, it's just like people love Batman, and I'm just like he's good but i don't think he's that great like i i think a lot of people yeah love i just don't get i just people who love bruce wayne confuse me because he's such a boring he's just like iron man but iron man is interesting because well first of all he's played by robert downey jr okay like and and, and he's and he's a very engaging charismatic actor but none of the bruce waynes have ever been particularly engaging as like just Bruce Wayne, you know. Um, yeah. 
I mean, we've got Christian Bale, and I think Christian Bale is a phenomenal actor. Uh, he's he seems yeah. very mental though, just changing his body for every film. You know, getting really ripped and then really skinny, then really. Oh, ripped I, and really I, fat. I like, I like, and I quite liked Batman Begins. For someone who's not a Batman fan and could be known as a Batman hater, I mm. love this movie. Like, like, uh, I really enjoyed myself watching it because I enjoyed Christian Bale just working out for the first hour. <laughs> I like the way it tells the story where it's not instant Batman. Like, and I also like Michael Caine and some of the other, like, I like an early, silly, like, Killian Murphy in it. I don't know, I just enjoy it. Mm. Like, you can enjoy it for what it is and not get hung up on the Batman character, but, um, and I enjoy it because of the way it leads into the Dark Knight, but I don't think it's some crazy good superhero. Yeah, film. I mean, I, I, yeah, no, I definitely think the Dark Knight is much better. It's, like, like, the Dark Knight is an well, I've not watched it recently, so my opinions may change when I rewatch it, but I think The Dark Knight is a is a fantastic film. But yeah, my my thing with Nolan is I think a lot of yeah, a lot of people are into Batman and they're really into his Batman films. Even though like I don't really get why people love them so much. Like I I, I like them fundamentally. Like I like the idea that Batman has to be able to get over his like not only his like grief, but also his guilt, his fears to become Batman. I think that's quite good and um, whatnot. But I don't. I think, think Batman it, could they be don't interesting. Do, they don't do character. anything like they don't do anything that breaks the mold with this film. And p- people act like it's God's piss, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, I don't get that. It, it's so strange, and I've you know, I mean, there's there's more to talk about with the film. Um. I think the film just doesn't, yeah, from my memory of it, I just didn't really get into what it was doing. Like, I, I don't think the villains are particularly, I don't think Liam Neeson's a particularly great actor, and I don't really think Ra's al Ghul, in, in the way he's portrayed in the films, is particularly engaging as a villain. I like um, Liam Neeson more in comedies. He, yeah, I think he's, he's alright in comedies, yeah. Um, yeah, because like he plays that serious character very slapstick. But the problem mm-hmm. is, is he does it slapstick in serious films as well, and just... then the, that's where it doesn't work. But... Yeah, um, I like. We've also got Hillian Murphy, who's in most of Nolan's films, going to be an Oppenheimer um, as Scarecrow, who he feels very uh, unnecessary. Well, not unnecessary. He just he doesn't. He's not. He doesn't reach his full. Uh, potential, but I, yeah. Yeah, but I, I, I like Killian Murphy as an actor. I think he's a very solid talent. Uh, he, obviously, very, very, very great. If you've watched the Peaky Blinders, Thomas Shelby. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there's um, is it Katie Holmes? She plays Rachel Dawes or whatever her so. name is. Um, I don't, I don't. Honestly, one of my biggest problems with superhero films in general is the love story. Um, I don't care. I don't care about that. That 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 doesn't do anything for me. Like, okay, okay. Only... I have a I have a question for you. What about the love story in Sam Raimi's Spider Man? Because this this trilogy is often compared to that that trilogy as like the two greatest. Um, I'd like... I'd I'd say the Raimi trilogy works. But I think that's because Peter Parker's like that. That like the love story is directly affecting. I don't know. I th- it feels different. I think, yeah, it's, it's more... 
integral to Peter Parker as a character. Yeah. Um, and it's much more focused on. I, whereas I think a lot of superhero films just sort of have it in the background. And then there's just a moment at the end where the two leads kiss and then that's it. Uh, it yeah. generally, you know, I mean, I think the Gwen Stacy Peter stuff in um, the Amazing Spider-Man films also works relatively yeah, well. They're, ba- they're best friends in those, though, like pretty much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think generally love sto- love stories in superhero films don't work. I don't, I don't think any of the MCU love stories have worked for me at all. None of them. I can't think of any. I mean, I guess Pepper and Tony is yeah, all right. Yeah, that's exactly the one I was thinking of. Was that but besides? Oh, like, uh, I think the MJ Peter one at, uh, in in No Way Home is okay. In No Way Home, it works a bit better, but it doesn't really f- work in the prior films. Yeah, I'm just yeah. No, you've got a great point. When it comes to sort of love stories, uh, they tried to do something with like. Black Widow and Hulk, but yeah, I mean, I guess the Guardians film. Actually, I think I think Guardian the the Star Lord and Gamora. I mean, that's beyond the gut. I mean, that goes into Infinity War as well, I guess. Uh, but I think that works decently well. Like it works better than most of them do. But yeah, just in general, I'm not the biggest fan of Lost. Lost stories in general, I don't particularly care for in superhero films. It's, I don't, like, I find origin stories to be very boring sometimes, you know? They, they, can, they can drag, yeah. Because you've got the first hour or so just as set up, and it's just like, oh, get on with it. Just get, you know, just give this person their fucking powers or whatever. Yeah, see, whatever. And, that's, and that's what Sam Raimi's trilogy does so well. The first In the first ten minutes of the film, with every character we need is developed... And he's been bitten by the spider. Yeah, and plus you've... Like, yeah, I think... Yeah. I, yeah, to sort of touch on that, I guess, I think that first Raimi Spider-Man film is a great example of how to do an origin story for a superhero. We meet all the major characters within the first 10-15 minutes. We meet Peter, MJ, Harry, Norman, ben. Um, May, Ben. ben. We meet all those characters that we need that will be integral throughout the film. We meet them all, and then and Peter gets bent and becomes, and he gets the powers within the first, yeah, 15 minutes ten, or whatever. Yeah, f- 15, like, it's about the 10, 10 minute mark is when he gets bit. Like, yeah, that's all you about... need. And then the rest of the movie is him learning his powers. Not, yeah. like, I, I do think that this film does the origin story quite well by focusing on, like, Bruce Wayne's discipline and training and, like, showing why Batman is powerful. I actually enjoyed that. But at the same time, He's it goes on guy. for a bit from my memory. Like, yeah. there's a lot of him training. Oh, it's the first hour, I think, of the film. Oh, fuck. That's, that's too long. I don't, you don't need to spend that much time, like, establishing yeah. an origin for a character. You know, like, I think, I think Marvel, the, like, the MCU, I think they, at some of time, sometimes they, they're very efficient with their establishment of characters. Like, I think the first Guardians film, you know, we see Peter as a kid, and that's it, really. Like, yeah. and that's only, like, a few minutes, you know. But we spend a good bit of time, you know, learning, you know, with uh, Captain America and Iron Man and that, and Hulk, you know, they, they sort of... Well, I mean, Hulk is Hulk, like, 
at the beginning, like yeah. Bruce Banner is. Oh the Hulk no! Hulk I mean, Hulk, the Incredible yeah. Hulk is part of the MCU, but no one cares. Like it, it's not. Yeah. Really. Um, but yeah, Batman Begins. Um, I guess we should talk about the music because he got because Hans Zimmer did the score, oh, and yeah. he's worked with Hans Zimmer for most of his films. Um, I'm a big. I I really like Hans Zimmer as a filmmaker. I'm as, a big as Hans Zimmer guy. Um, but I think the I think part of the problem I have with Hans Zimmer now is he kind of is just doing the same thing over and over again now. I think before that, he you know I mean the Lion King I think is a, is an incredible film and and Hans Zimmer's music in that is wonderful. I think his work on Rain Man, which I watched recently, I think the score for Rain Man is uh like truly remarkable but then more recently with Zim Hans Zimmer's work you know uh his recent Nolan films which we'll get into later Dune you know all these so I'm just sort of like he's not as great you know um uh let's see what is the most recent so he's yeah Dune and Dune part two he did the score for, he did the score for Top Gun Maverick uh apparently I did not know that it's okay it was actually good. I actually enjoyed it. The score uh, for Top Gun Maverick well, he, he, he did good. some of yeah. Uh, let's see, No Time to Die. Obviously, yeah, he does Bond. He did uh, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. I hope he's doing the new Kung Fu Panda because I think he did the other ones and he in the the Kung Fu. Oh, Panda the Kung Fu Panda insane. scores are insane. They're actually some of the best in animated films. Uh, yeah, and like, and I mean, that's relatively recent music as well. Like, but I mean, yeah, the Kung Fu Panda music. It like some of the scores in that is. Just like incredible, phenomenal. Like, there's yeah, some I, wonderful pieces of music. Yeah, oh, I think it's Ty's theme in the third film where it's bom, bang, bang, dong, dong, I love dong, the main, I, I mean, probably my, one of my favorite pieces of music is when Uguay like dies, dies, I guess. Yeah, oh, it goes to the spirit realm, or it goes to the spirit realm. Yeah, and there's just it's a it's a wonderful, you know, sort of Asian sort of you know it's 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 wonderful it's like and the, and that's and that's sort of the thing that kind of upsets me more with Hans Zimmer is he's still capable of creating wonderful music like the the score for the Kung Fu Panda films you know those films are relatively new you know the third one came out 2016 you know and hopefully he's doing the score for the fourth one which comes out next year so we will be yeah. hopefully Provided it doesn't get delayed, we will be covering Kung Fu Panda on the show next year. And I'm really looking forward to that, actually, because I'm a big fan of the, the Kung Fu Panda films. Favourite so, animated trilogy. Yeah, but I, and I think that I like Zimmer's Batman music. I, I think a lot of what the music <clears throat> he does for this is good. And some nice pieces there. I don't think it's his best work or anything, uh, but I think there is a lot of nice... Uh, compositions throughout, but I, 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 yeah, I think more recent, like with Interstellar, um, I'm not the biggest fan of the Interstellar music, but uh, that's just my opinion on that. Um, I mean, I'm gonna let we'll get to that, we'll get to it next week, we'll get to it, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't have like that much, just this is weird because I was looking, I haven't, I don't have as much, I think it's just with two of us and we kind of don't remember these films as well. I, I'm, I'm less, uh, uh, yeah. bothered about, I mean, this yeah, is sort of the weaker, sort of like, it's, it's just a good, it's just like, it's okay. It's a good, okay. Origin. Yeah. I, but, but I like, enjoyed watching, I enjoyed watching it. Like just mm. less is a Batman film 
or a superhero film, and one is just like some guy training. Like I was just like, yeah, yeah I can like I can watch two hours of this. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think it um yeah, but this week I like next week is going to be a much longer one because there's a lot more to talk about with those films. Like I I think there's a lot more that we can get into with the sort of the the second part of this. Um, but I mean. I don't have much to say. I give Batman Begins a 7 out of 10. I think it's a perfectly decent film. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the exact same. I'd give it a 7. Yeah, it's yeah. it's a perfectly, like, it, it's a movie. It like, that's is what I a movie. Um, but yeah, that's this week's episode. A bit of a shorter one this week, surprisingly. Uh, apologies, but next week, I presume, will be longer because... Hopefully there'll be three of us, plus I've got a lot to say about uh, the films that we'll be covering next week, uh, Good, both good and bad things. So, yeah, I hope you enjoyed this one. Check out all the previous episodes. I think this is episode 121, I think. I wouldn't give or take. I, I'm I, I don't pay short. attention to the numbers. I just pay attention to the, the, the film. Yeah, but uh, thank you, Harry, for joining me for this week's episode. Hopefully you'll Not be back problem. next week. So we can continue this because uh, there's yeah a lot to talk about with Nolan as a filmmaker and uh, some of his films you haven't seen apparently, which I'm very interested in uh, getting your thoughts on. Them. Like Memento this weekend, at least one of the films that we'll be covering next week you said you haven't seen, maybe. Yeah, yeah, uh, I haven't yeah. seen. Yes, yeah, thank you all so much. Thank you so much for listening to this one, and I'll see you all in the next one. Goodbye. <laughs>